one of the biggest decisions a real estate agent makes, whether it's the beginning of your career or maybe you're averaging 40, 50 transactions, is which brokerage do you hang your license at? The decision can have a monumental impact on how successful you are based on their training, their support, and the guidance that they provide. This episode is episode 11 of the How To Real Estate Podcast, and we're talking about how to choose the right brokerage for you. Welcome back to the How To Real Estate Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Kyle Lindsay, and this is Jeremy Smith. We are excited today to talk about how to choose the right brokerage because when you ask a question about a brokerage anywhere on Facebook, this is one of the most heated topics on social media with a variety of responses. And to be very honest, most people I don't think are thinking about it correctly. I don't think so either, man. And yeah, if you if you want a thousand comments in seven minutes, bro, <laughs> ask about which brokerage you should join. Like yes. what's the cheapest flat fee or the best or the worst, man, everybody will chime in for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, everyone has no opinion at all until you ask about brokers, then it's like nothing but strong opinions. Yeah. Yeah. And it sucks too, because some of their opinions are like, people just want to feel validated on the decision that they made. Right. So Mm -hmm. whether they love it or not, they're going to be like, come here, come with me, join me. They don't even care what your needs are. Mm -hmm. Just flat out. My brokerage is the best. Well, for all situations, really? Right. you got to take a lot of things into consideration and know not all brokers, one, are good. Mm-hmm. And certainly, it's really specific to your situation. Like a, yes. a brand new agent and a seasoned agent, they're going to have different needs. Yes. So they're going to need different brokerages. So I guess let's let's help out the brand new folks first. And then let's talk to the folks that are more experienced and have leveled up yes. in their career. Because I think that a lot of folks like... I would imagine if you have been in the business for a while, you kind of know what your needs are, right? Mm-hmm. You know what you do need, you know what you don't need, you know what you tap into, what resources from your current brokers you're tapping into. But as a brand new agent, man, there's so many choices. It's like looking at a menu when you're starving and there's 30 different combos on there. You're like, oh man, I don't know what sushi roll to choose here. Yeah. And so what's crazy is that, especially as a brand new agent, you may not even realize what's happening. You may not even realize the the landscape that you're looking at. So like, for example, when I was a brand new agent, I was an investor before I was an agent. And I knew obviously about the big brokerages and things like that. But I get my license and I think, okay, now I got to find a place to be, to be in a brokerage. And I had only ever been at bigger companies before that. So I set up interviews with Century 21, with Remax and Keller Williams. And I dressed nice, I prepared my resume. And I remember I went to the very first interview with Keller Williams. And I sit down and I hand the guy my resume. I'm nervous. It's like a regular interview for me. I'm talking. And then he just starts pitching Keller Williams to me. And it took about four or five minutes. And he hadn't asked me a single question. I realized, oh, I'm interviewing him. Yeah. He's pitching. the, the And it just completely flipped everything around. Right. It was something I was not expecting that you are, you are the prize. Right. These Certainly. guys are recruiting you. Yep. And I just, before I had been through that, I had no idea that was the way it worked. Yeah. And that that's a good point because when you look at, when you know that that's the case, mm-hmm. like you can definitely approach it differently and you can prepare differently. Because the reality is, is that nine, I would say 95% of brokerages will take just about anybody. Yes. Right. It's a numbers game for the brokerage. So they're going to accept you, mm-hmm. right? Until, you know, I don't know what it would even take for brokers to let you go. 
you know, teams I know have standards. A, a lawsuit, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Maybe something really big. And I think there are maybe some brokers out there, some of the smaller ones that do have production standards, mm-hmm. that uh, if you don't meet them, then they're going to part ways with you, which I think is good. But other than that, yeah, I mean, the bar to entry is low, mm-hmm. and you don't need to feel like you're being interviewed. Yes. You should be interviewing them. So all that to say, if you were a brand new agent, just getting your license, hopefully you get some really good knowledge from this podcast. And along the way, those of, or anyone getting some good value from this podcast, we'd appreciate a like and a subscribe. But digging into that, just know that like you are, you are the prize. And when you, when you're interviewing with these people, you have the decision to make. You are not, it's not a job interview where, you know, you are trying to get them to convince to take you. They'll take you. Right. Not, like Jeremy said, 95% of brokerages will take anyone that has a license and can breathe. Yep. And that's it. So if that's all you're looking for, this will be a very easy process for you because anyone will take you. And that's how a lot of the big brokerages win is right. people don't realize that. And then all of a sudden they're at a Remax office or Keller Williams or Century 21, like I've said, and they, they hear a yes. And it's, it feels like you just won a job interview, like in a normal situation, they don't realize, oh, anyone would have said yes to me. Right. Because they all want me. Yes. And so we're hopefully, through this podcast, we can help you step back and really evaluate what they're offering. And hopefully that aligns with what you're actually looking for. Right. Right. So be careful with the ego then, right? Because mm-hmm. if you go into it and you're super you know, nervous or whatever, and the first one's like, yeah, well, man, we would love to have you. Right. Then that speaks to your ego. And mm-hmm. they know that. Right. right? So you, you may make a, a quick decision based off the emotion. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm accepted. You know, my ego feels good, but definitely go on those interviews, you know, yes. go on, go on all of them, be prepared, ask a bunch of freaking questions. I feel like there's different categories of brokerages. Yes. Right. You've got your, your flat fee brokerages that claim to be, you know, hundred percent commission brokerages. You've got your, your more well-known name brand franchise brokerages. Mm-hmm. And, and I, is there anything else? I think those are pretty much the main two categories. You know, those really are the main two is percentage-based commission, like capped brokerages or whatever, big franchise like you're talking about. No, you know, 100% commission, which, you know, I have a real problem with that marketing term, which is right. that's all it is because they do take percentage. They they take some of your, your commission, but it might be a flat fee, whatever. Man, I'm trying to think, like, I don't feel like there's any other models, Some. Um, Smaller boutique brokerages, but normally those are all flat fee at this point. So, right. yeah, and I think it's important to remember, like, like you said, like with the marketing of of hundred percent commission brokerages, mm-hmm. like that's really virtually impossible because there's no way a brokerage can operate without income. Right, right. They've got to have revenue. So, if the main deciding factor on which brokerage you go to is the one that's going to take the least amount of of money from your commission. It's a smart way to look at it in a sense because it kind of shows that you're being financially responsible, right? Mm-hmm. But there's some there's downside to that too, right? Because if you have a brokerage that's just not making money, then they're not going to be able to really support you either, right? Right? They're they're going to probably drop the ball on a lot of training and support and op- opportunity, you know, out there. So let's let's just dive right into that. Let's just talk right about these the flat fee, right? Okay. What are some of the examples that that you're familiar with the flat fee brokerages and what are some of the benefits, you know, that a new agent who hasn't joined a brokerage yet should be considering. 
I have experience with flat fee brokerage. My very first brokerage was a small boutique flat fee brokerage, and it was geared towards investors, which I thought lined perfectly with what I was doing because I wanted to get my license to invest in real estate. You know, talk about that journey later in a different podcast. But at this point, I didn't realize how expensive it was to be a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. And I thought, as investor mindset, spend as little as possible, you know, get into the get into the business. Well, after I'd been in the business for a couple months and realizing, oh man, I got these MLS fees, these association fees, Supra fees, and just all this money's coming out of my pocket. I did the math. I was like, man, I need to close three transactions just to break even. Yeah. You know, except at the time, it, prices were a lot lower <laughs> than they are now these days. Back when Jesus was a baby? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back when we were faxing the MLS sheets. No, I, was, I haven't been an agent that long, but yeah. yeah. Thomas guy. Yeah, you know, so I, I got this this brokerage. Well, I was one of two agents. Both of us were brand new, so not, we weren't even doing any transactions. So she, this current broker, didn't even have any flat fees to collect off any of our commissions. She yeah. wasn't charging us a monthly fee, which I thought was great. Yeah, she was making zero income from yeah. uh, from the two agents that she had recruited. So guess what? She was working ninety hours a week as an agent, and yeah. then so fast forward a couple months, I get my first client, and I have questions, of course. Because, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you you need to know it. Certainly. And I started asking her questions and no support. Yeah. You know, I, I still think to this day she was a fantastic agent, good person. She meant well. She just didn't have time. Right. And I, so here in Texas, we have access to a uh, lawyer hotline through our Texas Real Estate Commission fees. And I wore that thing out. Nice. They kept telling me, like, hey, I can't give you advice on this or that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but hypothetically, yeah, you know, you're... If I'm filling out this form legally, how would you do it? You know, and just, I just made them tell me. And anyway, so I, I worked through it, but man, I realized that if I would have definitely have paid her more to have gotten support in a yeah. way that I could actually take care of my clients better. Yeah. So the flat fee can really result in less support, right? right? Especially if it's a, a smaller, like real boutique, like you're talking about, right? right? There's some, there's some bigger um, flat fee brokerages, like one that comes to mind that we almost joined was is JPAR, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a good brokerage, yeah. right? So is it good for a brand new agent? Well, it's not for me to decide, but right. um, there there are limitations, mm-hmm. right? And so there's so much so much to consider. And I think the support aspect, you know, for a brand new agent, like that is invaluable. You have to have support. You've got to have mentorship. You've got to have training. You've got to have guidance. You know, you've mm-hmm. got to have people that are really there for you, mm-hmm. you know, that you're not having to, to track down. Um, and I think that another thing with the smaller brokerages, because flat fee brokerages tend to be the smaller ones, yeah. right? And, and there's some that are, that are big for flat fee brokers, right. um, but they're typically smaller than your franchise style brokerages. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing too with them is the, um, the footprint, mm-hmm. right? So it, it may be just be they may just be in your local market, mm-hmm. which means that you can't tap into the resources from other agents in other states. Right. Like, you know, with the Keller Williams or Century 21, Cole Banker, EXP, like we're national brokerages. Right. Right. So we have referral partners in other parts of the country. We have referral partners in other parts of the world. We have training that is not just localized to our office, but training that's also all over the, from all over mm-hmm. the world. 
right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to consider as you join a flat, if you decide to join a flat fee brokerage, or if that's a consideration, is where's the reach coming from? Like where where's the information that you're going to be given for training coming from? And is, is that what you want? Well, you know, even taking a further step back, like what should a brokerage even be providing to an agent? And, you know, it's kind of like, what are, what are, what do you want to get from these people? And for me, and when I coach anyone new that is coming into the business, I think, you know, obviously training is support we've mentioned. Um, do they have specific training for brand new agents? If you're a brand new agent, that should be one of your first questions. Like, what does your brand new agent training look like? Right. Because the training you give to a brand new agent is not the same training you give to an experienced agent. Right. And they should be different. And if they're not, that's a problem. Right. Um, you know, what for one of those two categories, or if it's somewhere in the middle, you know, you got to look at all that. Two is what other avenues ha does this brokerage have for you to get leads? Because leads are the lifeblood of your business. And yes, it is your job to generate leads, but man, it sure does help if your brokerage has ways to help you with that. Absolutely. So referral partners, um, relocation companies, like you're saying, um, conventions where you can meet other people or partnerships with like referral-based um, lead generation companies. Like what does that look like to help you get more business? Yeah. Even just a marketing department that help pro produces materials for you, that can help as well. Yeah, that's all true, man. And, and here's another thing, too, that I realized um, when we left our first brokerage and, and came to EXP was the level of scrutiny is so important. Mm -hmm. Like as a new agent, you said earlier, you don't know what you don't know, right? So if, if you don't have like a quality control system at the brokerage, it could cost you a lot of money. So you want to make sure that they have some sort of a, a, a department that's going to be reviewing your paperwork and making sure that all of your I's are dotted, all of your T's mm -hmm. are crossed, kicking back anything that's you know falls below the line, right? And making sure that all of your paperwork is up to date. I guess the word I was looking for was compliance. Yeah. Right. You want a compliance department that is actually going to do compliance. Yes. Right. We had some experiences with my first brokerage where if the document was in the file, they signed off on it, mm -hmm. but they didn't look at the document. Right. So we had, unbeknownst to us, we were doing stuff wrong, Yeah, you know, and, and we did it like that for like almost two years. Mm -hmm. You know, we did these documents wrong. So had something happen and we ended up in court and we had all these documents done incorrectly and that exposed us to financial risk and maybe mm -hmm. even our license. Yeah. Right. So as, as you're new and you're looking for a place to hang your license, training is important, mentorship's important, leads, support, but also knowing that they've got your back, right? And they're gonna I guess you can lump it into training, but I think it's it's more than that because training is like how you fill out the form and compliance is making sure you're doing it right. Right. You know, so I, I think that's absolutely critical. No, I hundred percent agree. Like without that, I mean so many agents that you get contracts from are doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how often we have a listing and I, I get an offer from a buyer's agent. I look them up. They've barely done any transactions and the, the contract is completely wrong. Yeah. Um, it just, things are all over the place. You have to work with them on how to get it you know, filled out correctly. And you look in there, of course, at one of these small brokerages, probably one broker, maybe I have no idea if they even have, you know, who knows, but you know, looking forward, when you look at this thing um, and you're looking at like where you're going to be and the training and support, it, it could matter 
to your perceived professional ability or professionalism, professionality. That's not even a word. <laughs> it is now. Yeah, your perceived professionalism. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll get added to Urban Dictionary. Um, you know, your perceived professionalism when you're actually submitting offers and doing these things. You know, you could look like a joke. Yeah, and just imagine like if you had two new agents on one transaction and, and neither one of them really knew what they were doing, right? right? And and yeah, they're ultimately responsible, right? Ignorance mm-hmm. is not defense, you right. know. But they didn't, neither one of them had compliance folks that were making sure that they were on the up and up and protected. So now you have right. these two agents that are leading their clients in a off a cliff, right. right? And so now you've got all this paperwork messed up and deal falls apart and one part, one party sues another. Believe it or not, this stuff does happen. Mm-hmm. You know, one party sues another, you get a complaint to Trek and now Trek looks at it and you're both an absolute train wreck. Right. Like that's just, unfortunately it does happen a lot, but it's so avoidable. Mm-hmm. And all you really need is to make sure that the, you know, a question you should be asking is what is your, compo- what is the compliance department look like? Yeah. You know, what do they do? What are the expectations? You know, another great question to ask is how many brokers do you have? Yeah. You know, what does what your broker on duty look like? How often are they available? Those are great questions to ask too. You know, the bigger brokerages should have this figured out and always have at least one person available to you. But, you know, like here in eXp, we have a team of brokers, like 14, 15 right now. All right. Um, of course, they're not all on duty at the same time, but I've never had to wait more than about five or 10 minutes to get to, to talk to a broker yeah. when I needed to talk to one. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty consistent. And what that does too, you know, if you talk to a broker and they tell you something and you execute on that and it's still wrong, mm-hmm. you're not the only one there. Right. Right. You're not the only one. You're actually going on the guidance that, that you were given. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think there is a defense for that. Yeah. Right. As a new agent. And I, I keep saying it that way because it is possible to make a mistake and lose your real estate license. Yeah. It's possible to do something on purpose and use your license, <laughs> but you know, I'm going to just guess that most people aren't that way. Right. Right. And you you may make an honest mistake and honest mistake and lose your real estate license. And then there goes all this work you put in it could be your livelihood, mm-hmm. right? You, you could have burned a bridge at your last career and, and this, you do all your eggs into this basket and then you lose your license because there wasn't somebody there to have your back. Well, not to mention that there could not only lose your, lose your license, but real financial repercussions. Certainly, yeah. Um, depending if you cost, if your mistake costs someone a lot of money, guess what? They're not just going to forgive and forget. Right. A lot of times, they're coming after you for it. So, yeah. Not trying to scare y'all too bad here, but just know that you know when you're dealing in real estate and you're talking about, we like to say the the people's most the, their largest purchase they're ever going to make. Mistakes can have real financial repercussions, and most people are not just going to let that fly by right. without trying to get some sort of help or um, compensated for those those mistakes. Certainly, especially if it went to closing and then they saw your yes. commission check. Yes, you know, and then you got paid ten grand, twelve grand, mm-hmm. whatever the number was, you know, and and, and they took a financial loss or. Right. You know, they got into a house, they feel like they were misled or things weren't disclosed or whatever the issue is, they're definitely coming to get some of that money. Yes. So brand new agents, look for training and support. Look for brokers that can actually help you and answer your questions. Look for compliance um, and, you know, look for for a way that they can actually help you get your leads, especially as a brand new agent. We've, we've done a bunch of other podcast episodes about how to get leads, but, you know, you can pay for leads. A lot of Brokerages now have ways to do that th- directly through them, through ads and things like that. And also look for, uh, you know, and other trainings and ways to generate them organically without, you know, low cost, no cost. The other thing you really want to look for in a brokerage is technology. 
Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Especially today. Yes. Especially today. What are some of the things, if you were starting brand new, what are some of the techniques or technologies, rather, that would be important to you? First and foremost, I'm looking for a good quality CRM that I don't have to pay for mm. or, or, or a very discounted rate um, because there's a lot of them out there. I mean, it's no as a real estate agent, again, if you're brand new, you'll get used to this. You are marketed to relentlessly. Everyone wants some of your money. You know, those are big commission checks and everyone wants to put their hand in that pocket. Right. And so if you don't already have a low cost or no cost CRM included with your brokerage, you're going to have to go find one. Yeah. And some of those can be four, five, six hundred $600 a month for the good ones. Right. So if you don't already have one of those and, and in your CRM, you're looking for a couple different really important things. And for me, the most important, again, is a way to generate leads. Yeah. Then you're looking for a great way to f- follow up and um, take notes and, and categorize your leads and you know search, filter. You want to make it easy on yourself to actually work your leads. Right. Because that's the name of the game is getting your leads into your CRM and then following up with them to turn them into clients. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. That's really good. And I would say... Um, as far as technology goes, a way to stay connected and interact with other agents. Yes. You know, I remember being a new agent and it was kind of like you're on an island, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just by yourself, you know, and you're out there doing your thing and you may go into the office if they have an office and do some training and meet an agent here and there. But for the most part, everybody's kind of like out for self, mm-hmm. you know, and there's not a lot of um, collaboration. And I really value being able to plug into a community of agents that are all with the same brokerage and be able to just lift each other up, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and help people. Like I see stuff all the time where I'm like, okay, well I can help there. Mm -hmm. You know, this person's got a question. I can help. This person's got a a challenge or or I can help. I've got a challenge or I've got a question. I put it in the group and I get help, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think just, just the energy of being around other agents that are out there getting after it, you know, prospecting, failing, and you guys are all, you all have that struggle in common, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important. So there should be some sort of technology. Like we use a thing called Workplace. There's Slack. Some mm-hmm. some brokerages use Slack. Oh, man, there's another one I can't think of, but it's very similar to Slack mm-hmm. um, that agents are using. But I, I think that's kind of underrated as I talk to agents all the time because I do a lot of recruiting for the team. So I talk to agents all the time and they just don't seem to, and everybody's different, but they don't really seem to see the value so much in that. And I think it's not until you have it right. that you understand what the value is. I was about to add the exact same thing, like coming from Remax where you have this big national franchise, but I have zero way to connect with anyone anywhere outside of my immediate brokerage, right. like local brokerage. I mean, there's another Remax franchisee 10 miles away and I have no, I mean, other than just driving over there and talking to them or pick up the phone, I have no way to get a hold of them. Mm -hmm. And then moving into EXP and having workplace and all of a sudden I'm connected to 90,000 agents or whatever at 82 or whatever we're at at the moment. You know, uh, you know, a great example of this is two years ago, my brother was moving from Colorado to Oklahoma. And of course I'm not licensed in either of those States, but I got into workplace with EXP and I found the broker in Colorado, asked for a referral to a great agent near him, got him connected to an agent, did the same thing in Oklahoma, found him a, you know, just, and that, it took me a total of maybe 45 minutes and a few different, I was just chatting with them. Yeah. And I was immediately connected to the brokers in both states. They recommended people, I connected to those people and I had him set up with interviews 
within 45 minutes. It's, it's a game changer. It, it, it really, really is. Yeah. I had a, uh, jinx. I had a, um, <laughs> <laughs> I had a experience last week where one of the agents on the team had made me aware of a, of a program that EXP is, is launching and kind of educated me on it. I've been following it for a little bit and I messaged the, the person that's like the head of this thing on, on mm -hmm. workplace and said, I just had a question, you know, and it was like, seven o'clock at night, I think. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden my phone's ringing with this sound that I hadn't experienced before. And and the lady was actually calling me. Mm -hmm. She just like FaceTimed me on Workplace. Workplace yeah. You know, we sat on there for 15 minutes. My questions were answered. My application was approved. Like it moved very quickly. Right. Right. And I, and I think that's such a big benefit. And you guys, we're not plugging EXP. So don't get that wrong. Of course, we love the brokerage and you know, we think it's, right. it is the best one out there. But it doesn't have to, it may not be fit for you. Right. Right. But wherever you go, find a place that you can plug in and, and have a community with other agents that are going through and experiencing the same stuff that you are. Yeah. Just because we were with we are with EXP, hopefully this is more of a framework to help you make a decision. Right. If EXP is that right decision, great. But we have great respect for a lot of other agents and other brokerages. Whatever's the right one for you is the right one for you. And, you know, I'm more concerned with you making a, a decision for you than choosing eXp. Absolutely. So with that being said, choose eXp. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, with that being said, so we, we, we've been with a lot of stuff with the new agents. Now, in, a, in new agents, if we have not covered something you have questions about or something you want to dig in deeper, hit us up in the comments. Send us a message of some sort. Love to discuss that with you and walk you through some other things you might be thinking about or some other questions that might be great to ask. Hit us up. Yeah, they noticed we didn't talk about splits. Right. And that was on purpose, you guys. And I'm just going to put this out there. If the splits and the fees are your main concern, if that's it, like that's shallow thinking. Mm -hmm. and you're going to make a mistake. You will make a mistake thinking like that. Think big picture and think who do you – what, what type of people do you want to be in the room with? Right. That's going to really facilitate your growth and start your business off either on the right foot or the wrong foot. So don't message us if that's your question. <laughs> yeah. So was, to be very honest, as a brand new agent, fees and splits should be some of the last things on your mind because you have no income to base it off of. Right. You know, really, you should be concerned about getting from zero to 10 or zero to 20 once you get there, I mean, I'm not saying don't consider it at all, but I am saying they should be close to the bottom of your list. Really, is that a right fit for you to get you to a production goal? Now we're talking to experienced agents who are maybe at 10 transactions a year, 20 transactions a year, and they're starting to get, they're questioning things like, am I at the right place? Right. This is where fees and splits might actually come into play. Yes. But at the same time, I really want to, we really want to talk about your mindset around fees and splits. Right. Offense versus defense. And by that, I mean, when you're building wealth and you're talking about the money your business is spending, should you be more concerned about how much you're generating or how much you are spending? Right. Right. And, and that leads to, you know, the mindset of scarcity or abundance. Yes. Right. And so I was there when I was at Remax. I was, I think I paid like $27,000 in 2017 and that was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started looking around and my thought process was, where do I go where I can save money? And then I realized that really that process was led by fear, mm -hmm. right? Because maybe I'm, I'm scared that I won't be able to replicate that year again, Yeah. right? So I'm like, okay, well, next year may not be the same. So where can I go and save money? Mm -hmm. And when I realized that that was coming from a, a place of fear, 
I challenge myself to think differently and say, well, okay, well, where can I go where I'm going to actually make the most amount of money? Mm-hmm. Completely different answer. Right. Right. I had, a, I had an answer for the first one, and I almost inked the paperwork to do it. Mm-hmm. And they offered us the world. Yeah. We'll give you an office. We'll do this for you, do that for you. All the things were great. And, and it's a great brokerage. But when I looked at it from the different perspective and said, where can I go to make more money, which I think is the more financially responsible um, perspective, that that first answer that I had was no longer even close to being the right answer. And we made a different decision. And it requires a little bit of faith. Yeah. Right. A little bit of faith. You guys, you're an experienced agent. You've had some success. Hopefully you're not so egotistical that you're like, hey, this is the only brokerage for me. Right. Right. Because now you're just trying to justify the choice you made a few years ago, mm-hmm. which may have been the right choice at that time. Right. Right. But now you have to continuously reevaluate. And I do this every year. Like, hey, I'm going to reevaluate. I'm going to listen to the recruiting pitch from brokerages like Real and LPT mm-hmm. and JPAR still trying to recruit me. And like, okay, cool. Let me, let me listen. I will hear you out. Right. Right. Because if I don't, I'm being foolish. Yeah. So, it just never works out to where they can match what I have now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will ever that will ever be the case. <laughs> um, and if it is, then I gotta I have to entertain it. Yeah. Right. Because if I'm being financially responsible with my business as a businessman, I have to. So when you're an experienced agent, you've got to put the silliness aside. And I know right right now, and it's been this way for a while. There's like brokerage wars, right? Like <laughs> yeah. this brokerage hates that brokerage, right, right? And and why? Like none of us own the brokerage. Yeah, who cares? Right, yeah. I mean, I don't care about what brokerage you're at. Like we're all agents. We're all in this thing together. If Gary Keller and Glenn Sanford want to duke it out in court, like I, I just don't care. I don't either. I don't you know? either. It's not my business. Right. Right, my business is my business. Does this affect me? Move on. <laughs> right. Exactly. So there's no there's no reason for animosity. You know, it's not it's not the Crips and the Bloods. Right. You know, we're all in business. We're all adults. So evaluate your business. And we've seen agents leave EXP mm-hmm. and go otherwise. You know, go elsewhere. And that was in their best interest at that time. Yeah. You know, that's what uh, there was another model that aligned with their business better. Mm-hmm. Cool. It has nothing to do with this brokerage better than that brokerage. Is what is your situation and what's most important to you? Not everybody wants to make a ton of money. Right. You know, some people want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Some people don't want to plan for retirement. Maybe that's not on their mind. You know, yeah. or maybe they don't need to. Maybe they've got a spouse that's got that taken care of. They don't feel like they need to do that. Or they've got growth potential where they're at. Everyone's situation is going to be different. But I think if you're being responsible as a business person, you have to look at all of the options out there for you and put aside the the childish broker war stuff. Oh, 100%. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, you ask this question a lot. You know, hey, do you have an open mind? And like 99% are like, well, of course I have an open mind. Excellent. You know, and then you're like, well, let's talk about your broker's decision. Nope. 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 Yeah. Conversation done. Close mine. Yeah. And so, you know, when me and Jeremy think about things a little bit differently, but we really kind of come to the same conclusion here is I go straight to the math. When I was making a decision of where I wanted to go, like I always do, I created a spreadsheet. And (laughs) I, and I played some different scenarios out, you know, like if I only do 10 transactions a year, what does that look like money wise? If I do 20, 30, 40, 50. And what's interesting is that once I got over the cap, all the brokerages looked extremely similar. Yeah. We're talking within like 
thousands of dollars. And that sounds like a lot, but if let's say you're generating 50 transactions a year, which that's, you know, if you're an independent agent, you're not on a team, that could be somewhere around four to $500,000 in GCI to you. Right. Right. And so if you're talking about $500,000 and you're only looking at a difference of one to $5,000 in brokerages, nothing. it's nothing. Yeah. And so it really became a lot less about the money because when you really do the math all the way out, it gets very, very similar yeah. um, as far as it goes until you start looking at other incentives. So like, for example, a lot of your franchises, you might want to check it if you're one of these franchises, those franchise fees never go away. Mm-hmm. And when I plug that back in, all of a sudden that made a difference of not a couple thousand of like maybe 10 to 15 to $20,000. Right. Now it gets more significant. Now it gets more significant. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you start really playing with those numbers. And so once you become an experienced agent, I'm talking to people who have been in the business at least one year hopefully somewhere, you know, two to five years and you, you know, you you know yourself, yeah. you know, your work ethic, you know what you want to do and you know where you want to go. And if you were like Jeremy said, if you're content at five to 10 transactions a year, cause maybe, yeah, your spouse pays most of the bills. This is more of a side hustle for you, some extra income, maybe one of these low fee brokerages are, are just right for you. Because yeah. if you're under 10 or, or 10 transactions a year, right around there, they're going to save you a lot of money. Yeah. And if you have no ambition to ever get hired in that, don't go somewhere where they're going to charge you a percentage and they have a cap because right. you're never going to hit that cap. Right. And these those brokerages never really make any sense financially until you hit that cap. Exactly. So, you know, I'm not saying don't go there if you're not if, as a brand new agent just because of that, but I'm just saying like know where you want to go. Right. So, if your goal is to do this full-time and and be a top producer, you know, maybe some of these big franchises are where you want to be. Maybe they're not because even the 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 one hundred percent commission, you know, like flat fee brokerages. When again, when you get out to 30, 40 transactions, they look exactly the same money wise almost as these other ones. And if you guys ever want to get down and you know, send me a message. I will jump on a Zoom with you and show you the spreadsheet and show you the math. I mean, it's crazy how it works out. Yeah. Um, and so. We both, you know, again, we're not plugging, just plugging EXP here, but we both chose EXP because when you got to that level, you get your cap back. Yep. And all yep. of a sudden, again, when you swing something $10,000 plus, even if you are comparing it to five hundred a year, that's significant. That's not nothing. Absolutely. And then the potential for growth and multiple income streams and things like that, it just, it became a lot less of a defensive, you know, I'm going to save the most money. It became... You know, how can I make enough money that saving a couple thousand dollars doesn't even matter anymore? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just thought about this. It's like you're watching a basketball game, right? And and one team only has defense, mm-hmm. and they they don't have shooters, right? Right. So they're just like their their main goal is let me stop this other team from scoring, right? Right. And then the other team's like, hey, I'm just going to slam dunk over these guys, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to keep slam dunking until. They get tired. Mm-hmm. Right? Their defense gets tired. And we have to have defense and offense Yeah, if you want to go out there and really make what your potential is. And I think that most real estate agents are, you know, we've got an entrepreneurial mindset, mm-hmm. you know, for the, for most of us, you know. And like you mentioned earlier, we do make, everybody makes decisions differently. And I think there's like the very analytical folks, mm-hmm. you know, who like the numbers are the driving factors, like for you. Mm-hmm. And then there's folks that are like, just give it a shot, like, 
screw it. And I'm not saying that's right, but that's more me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I mean, I do some research. Like I take my time. I obsess on things actually, as I'm learning about them. But there comes a point where I'm just like, screw it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to try it. Let's go. Both of those, I think, are really the entrepreneurial spirit. Like right. you got to take some risks, yeah. you know, and if you want to win big, if you just want to stay small, you know, maybe, like I said, the flat fee brokerage may be the place. If they're charging you 600 bucks a transaction and you do 10 transactions a year and that's all you want to ever want to do. Right. Cool. That may make the most amount of sense, you know, but if, if you want to level up, you know, you probably need to go somewhere that's going to be uh, conducive mm-hmm. to leveling up and, and making more money and growing your business and growing wealth. And there's a bunch of different places that you can find that. You know, I, th- I think all of this really for me boils down to people. I obviously think eXp has the best model. You know, I'm willing to debate that with people at the same time, but it's, but you know, I do also think that if you're not going to tap into eXp's, be- eXp's benefits, it may not be the right model for you. Right. And what I really want to see is this hamster wheel of productivity at some point for you is going to stop. Right. You know, and that's, I think that's what most agents will think about, especially top producers at some of these, these brokerages where they really don't build any wealth. They're just, they're more or less employees. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crazy to me to think that I see these, these agents are doing 30 or 40 transactions a year over and over and over again. And, you know, we all do this lifestyle creep happens. They buy a bigger house, a bigger car, they have vacations. They may be spending a lot of what they're earning and then all of a sudden something happens, they get sick or a spouse gets sick or they got to take some months off and take care of a family member themselves. And guess what happens when you are not actively prospecting and doing deals? Your income stops. Yep. You know, and let's not even say there's an emergency or anything like that happens. Just when you get close to retirement and your income stops, what's your plan? Right. I don't care what brokerage you're at. Have a plan. Have a plan. And if the people at your current brokerage, or maybe again, maybe it's not EXP, maybe it is Coldwell Banker or Real or whatever, as long as they're helping you do that in some way, whether it's investing and in buying apartments and real estate or whatever, or it's through your ownership shares of the brokerage itself or whatever that looks like, have a plan. Right. Like I just, I'm tired of seeing broke real estate agents that are doing 20 plus transactions a year. There's no need for it. Yeah, certainly, man. The last thing I want to put to this is I think that it's important for brand new agents, experienced agents to go to a place that the culture aligns with their values. Yes. Like I think that's super, super important for all of us agents. Like mm-hmm. you should be somewhere that aligns with your values. And I would caution you on the franchise companies, mm-hmm. right? So KWs, Coal Bankers, Remaxes, Century 21. And if there's others out there, sorry, I forgot you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so these different offices are, are franchises, right? So they're not all the same. They have different cultures. They have different leadership. They have maybe even different splits, mm-hmm. right? Some some brokerages will give you one split and give somebody else a different split, even in the same office, mm-hmm. right? It's depending on how much value they feel like you bring. I was talking to some agents the other day. They're on 60-40 splits. Mm-hmm. My, it's 2023, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're on a 60-40 split. Like, tell me how that's a win. Right. You know, and then it resets every year, you mm-hmm. know? So all, all this guys to say that one, this is a very important decision, especially if you're a new agent, it's a super important decision. Don't take it lightly, do your research, make sure that you're choosing the brokerage that you choose for the right reasons. I talked to a lady the other day that uh, chose a brokerage she went to because her friend was there mm-hmm. and she's miserable. Yeah. 
right? She didn't see if that brokerage aligned with her values or with her goal, you know, mm-hmm. or where she wanted to go, or if they had the the capacity to serve what mm-hmm. she wanted to do. So that's all super important if you're an experienced agent. That all applies. But also, where, did, where is your business going? Now you know how to sell real estate, right? You know how to go out there and generate leads. You know mm-hmm. how to negotiate at least something, right? So now where, where should you be that's going to facilitate the most amount of growth? Right. If you're the big fish in the pond, you should probably get out of that pond. Yep. Right. You don't ever want to be the smartest guy in the room right? or the biggest fish in the pond. You yep. just run out of, you run out of rabbits to chase. And if you <laughs> want to keep growing, go find, go find areas where you can find bigger rabbits to chase. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic advice. Yeah. That, it really, that, that comes down to ego. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause yeah, if you're, it feels great to be the big fish in a little pond. For sure. Because everyone looks up to you. But yeah, where's your growth coming from? Right, right. That's that is the reason why I left Remax. Because I be in two years I became the big fish in the pond. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that was fast, but that's like I can't stay here. Right. Like where where do I go? You know, I'm gonna get complacent. Mm -hmm. So let me go to a a place with the with a much bigger pond. <laughs> and, and now I don't I don't think I'll ever get up there. You know, who knows? I'm fighting for it, y'all. I am fighting for that number one spot, man. But this is a this is a brokerage full of producers. Dude, a bunch of sharks out there. Man. Some I mean megalodons. Jeez Louise, man. Some of the best uh most productive real estate agents in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and we just keep adding them. I know. I know. It's like a when, when you I remember there's a time where I was number one in DFW. Like as a single single agent, I would check it all the time. And there was a few players that we would go back and forth with. But now, man, it's hard to do. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to do. And that's, at least for me, that's where I want to be. You know, yeah. I want to be where the comp- competition is, is sharp. And, uh, you know, you are the some of the five people you hang around with the most. And although I'm not hanging around with these people, they're still part of your organization. Mm-hmm. And so they're representation of what I'm par- a part of. And I think mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome. That is really, yeah. Yeah, fantastic advice, y'all. So like I mentioned earlier, if you saw, you heard something in here that you got some value out of that maybe piqued your interest, you want to ask more questions, hit that like, subscribe button, leave us a comment if you want to ask more questions. We would be, we would love to talk shop with you. Thank you for listening to the How To Real Estate Podcast and catch us on the next episode. Peace. Peace.